If you abandon your religion, if you stop believing in God, you will find people on the secular side of the fence going, congratulations, well done. But the religion you left, they don't throw a farewell party. In fact, the religious and the irreligious can't even agree on what it means to not believe in God. And today, David Rutledge explores what it's like to no longer believe in God, but to wish he was still around. We talk about losing faith, but really, in a secular culture like Australia, people tend to see moving on from religion as more a process of positive growth, a process in which you gain things. Rational perception of the world, freedom from ancient myths and superstitions, emotional maturity, all of these are seen as the benefits of leaving religion behind, and who wouldn't be happy to have them, right? So, it might come as a surprise to learn that for a lot of people, losing faith can be a traumatic experience, attended by a kind of grieving, especially for former Christians who've experienced that sense of personal relationship with God. This is Ryan Bell. He's a former Seventh-day Adventist pastor in the US. When I lost my faith, there was this emptiness, this kind of void, as I called it. You know, in my experience of everyday life, I would go to that place where I felt reassured and I would think, oh, there's nothing there. There's just empty space and, and there are no promises um, to life. They, you, you know, you don't get promised anything really. Like you do the best you can and you hope to get lucky. That was the kind of the loneliness I felt or the emptiness that I felt. There was no backup plan. There was no big other in the sky that if things got really tough would bail me out. I was really alone. It felt like some kind of death within myself. Amber Bremner was raised in a devout Christian family. Today, she's a member of the group Sydney Ex-Christians. It felt like losing my best friend. It was really like having a devastating breakup with somebody. Suddenly realising that Jesus was, I suppose, an imaginary friend. That was quite devastating uh, when he'd always, as far as I I was concerned he'd always been there for me, always understood me, um, had never let me down. But, you know, as we know, imaginary friends and children are very real. So I started to see, well, I suppose it's, it's not much different, but it took a good three years to really process that. When I left, I ended up moving to another part of Sydney. So I wasn't going to see anyone from the church, so they weren't going to run into me at the shops and say, hey, we haven't seen you at church. I changed my number. I just wanted time to think. That's Ashika Dat, another member of Sydney Ex-Christians. But it was very emotional because I started realising that my paradigms were flawed. I started realising that the world is not this dichotomy of saints and sinners. I started realising that the world is not all black and white. And it was hard emotionally. It was confronting to acknowledge that I had bought these lies. Everything was just unraveling and there was no ceremony and it was just me. So when I'd left, there were a lot of emotional nights. I didn't know how to deal with pain because the only way that I dealt with pain before was through seeking counsel from the leaders, was through reading the Bible, was through praying. So when I'd left, I'd, 
I'd lost my structures of the support network and I'd lost my methods of dealing with emotional pain. I didn't want to leave. I I tried to hold on for as long as I possibly could. I I held on for dear life. Because I think the biggest thing was the fact that I, I was left with absolutely no filter in which to see the world. I mean, for 33 years of my life, I'd seen the world, my life, everything that I was doing through the filter of Christianity. Didn't matter what I was going through now, um, whether it was really difficult, it would make sense in eternity. And all of a sudden, I didn't know what the point was in anything because having been told that there's a divine purpose, um, it kind of creates a need to know what that divine purpose might be. And, And so I'd kind of had this, yeah, almost like they created a need that now I couldn't feel. I think that ex-Christians or especially people who were never Christians, um, you know, atheists who never had a robust faith or had a liberal faith that didn't involve personal relationship as we've been talking about it, do have a hard time grasping that. It is like a death. It is like um, a funeral in which you have a hard time even imagining that the person isn't there anymore. Like it takes time for the reality that the person isn't here anymore to steadily sink in. This person that I had built my identity around, um, like a spouse or a child or a loved one of parent, was gone. And I was on my own now. Former Adventist pastor Ryan Bell there, speaking to David Rutledge. And there were also excerpts from an RN Earshot series called After Faith, What Happens When You Leave It All Behind. There's a podcast of that, and we'll put a link to it on our website. Now, Sami, did that resonate with you? Oh, great deal. Absolutely. I'll give you a good example of how my parents deal with it, right? They know I don't believe anymore. They know I don't practice. So they will go, have you prayed? And I'll say, you know, I don't pray. And then they'll say, stop talking nonsense. And then they'll quickly change the topic to something else, as will I. They know I'm an atheist. They don't bring it up. I know I'm an atheist. I don't bring it up. And we all just get along that way. That's not typical, though, is it? Not at all. I'm very lucky that way, that my parents are that understanding. Um, There is online, for example, a community of ex-Muslims, which is fairly global. And it's mostly people with pseudonyms because they cannot risk their names being made public for the obvious reasons. Those reasons right up to and including uh, criminal repercussions. Was that a, a danger for you? I am now an Australian citizen. I still have a Pakistani citizenship. I am listed as a Muslim. If I go back and say, I don't want to be listed as a Muslim anymore, I have to go in front of a judge. And then it's up to that judge's whims or fancies whether or not they want to make a big deal out of the fact that I am officially an apostate, a crime that can be punishable with imprisonment. Uh, If the information gets leaked, there will be vigilantes who could kill me for it. Um, So yeah, there's a whole host of repercussions None of which end with, you know, hey, good job, you can be what you want, here's a pat on the back. Most of them actually end with either imprisonment or death. On RN, it's God forbid, with Samisha, a journalist, a comedian, and Meredith Bergman, author, former Labour MP. Meredith, you left the bosom of Anglicanism and went straight into socialism. Did that diminish the, the grief going from one tribe to another? Look, I was just thinking about that when I was listening to particularly those young women talking about the grief that they felt. And my conversion from really quite 
conservative politics to sort of socialism and anti-Vietnam, anti-apartheid activity. It all occurred at the same time. They weren't the same thing, but they occurred at the same time. So my moving away from Christianity was a lot less traumatic for me because I was doing that even bigger thing of adopting socialism, which really was to colour the rest of my life. I didn't talk to my parents about becoming an atheist. And in fact, I kept going to church probably until I was about 26 because my mother in particular wanted me to. So I just went to church, not believing in it. Um, you know, that's never happened with anyone else except you. <laughs> I know. And, and the other thing was she really wanted, many years later, she really wanted my son to be baptised. And I'd said, oh, Mum, I don't really believe in baptism. And What's that got to do with it? She's your mum. Yes, exactly. Well, in the end, I was just about to give in and do what she wanted because to me, her being happy was more important than, you know, me being right. I saw her come out of the bathroom one day with my son with this triumphant look on her face. And in the Anglican tradition, you can baptise a child even if you are not a ordained member of the clergy. So she had just baptised him herself. So after that, it just wasn't an issue. There you go. No permission granted, no permission needed. (laughs) (laughs) RN, God forbid. 